the cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. Let's make that climb together up the, the green, green peak. peak with your host, Richard Zwicky. Hi, everybody. I'm Richard Zwicky with The Green Peak. And joining us this week, we have Scott Jordan, who is the founder of the Alternative Finance Network, a company and organization which helps cannabis companies access uh, capital, be it for working capital, equipment financing, or real estate. Welcome aboard, Scott. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, so Scott, I mean, we've been talking with a number of uh, organizations recently that are, you know, in different areas of capital for cannabis companies. Some are, and a number of them are very focused on real estate, either to help companies secure uh, real estate or to uh, buy them out of their property so they can do a leaseback um, or a lot of variance in between. What sets, you know, the alternative finance network apart? What we are is, is we're uh, an organization that's work of over 100 lenders that can do multiple types of financing, whether they sell leaseback of real estate, mortgages, equipment, working capital, senior secured loans. Um, we've got someone in the network or multiple people in the network that can look to fund those opportunities. So you can come to me and get your needs met, just like you go to the grocery store uh, to try to uh, you buy something that you needed rather than 7-Eleven. Okay, so that makes sense. And the companies that would come to you then would be existing companies that are already operating, looking for ways to access new capital to grow their business or improve or reposition or restructure? Correct. Correct. What we've been doing is, is uh, we found a tremendous need in the MSO market mm -hmm. and in the large company market. We just closed the deal uh, last week with uh, Tilt Holdings uh, for a revolving line of credit that previously had not been available. And we were able to do it at a uh, fantastic rate. Uh, we're in at uh, right now at prime plus three and a half with mm -hmm. them. It allows them to take uh, assets on their balance sheet, which they previously had not been uh, able to utilize and be able to provide capital for expansion, for emergencies, for other opportunistic uh, activities that they themselves, you know, want to do, rather than having uh, uh, accounts receivable and inventory just sit there on the balance sheet. Right, and you just mentioned, you know, you work with MSOs. Obviously, you work with single state operators as well. Um, Ten million dollars was that deal. What what's the size of placements you generally work with, and the the stage of the firms that are doing it? So generally they're in business at least two years uh, mm -hmm. are showing uh, EBITDA positive or close to uh, you know, getting to EBITDA positive. And right. what we're finding is, is, is that we've moved uh, kind of to the larger end of the market because we've recently had uh, some banks, credit unions and life insurance companies that want to get some of their capital out quietly. They don't wanna hold the flag up and say, hey, you know, we're lending. What they want to do is they want uh, pre-vetted uh, applications to come their way. And, and so previously, our, our average loan size was about 800000 but we've moved up uh, to actually put a zero on that. I would say between seven and eight million That's uh, fantastic. Is, is kind of the average uh, you know, that we're doing. We completed a deal for uh, STEM Holdings at $3.1 on a sale leaseback. 
and we've got several that are pending now in that five to ten million dollar range. Yeah, and do you see a lot more activity in the sale leaseback now than you would have a year or so, two years ago? We are. I think it's becoming, you know, more accepted, and then cap rates are coming down as well. And what what we're experiencing in the marketplace, it's really a land grab. Uh, people mm -hmm. are expecting federal legalization, which I don't think is really going to uh, happen uh, anytime soon. Mm -hmm. But uh, the the industry is expecting that uh, we're going to go ahead and legalize, and therefore they want to be in as many locations and have as much land as they can to uh, to capture. And so they're realizing even paying, uh, you know, a cost of capital in the low teens is worth it because the uh, acceleration of of uh, expansion as well as the ability to grab licenses and grab uh, locations in valuable states is going to be worth much more than that when the early onslaught of uh, M&A activities with big tobacco, big pharma, someone else, you know, comes about. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of that M&A activity can start pre-full legalization, just depending on the structures they use. But, you know, I agree with you, even if legalization were to happen tomorrow, it's going to take two years for the regulations to come into place so everybody understands the playing field. And I think that gets, you know, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, that's, I've seen it in country after country that I've helped and walked through the process with. And two years is fast. The U.S. would have to also deal with trying to consolidate the state-by-state -state regulatory framework, which is a, a a challenge unto itself. But, you know, in, in advance of that, the Safe Banking Act should come into force. H how do you, I mean, it's not there, it's, it's not 100% there. What, how do you think it's going to affect access to different forms of capital and to companies, organizations like yourself? Well, first of all, uh, I have access to, to uh, banks now. So that uh, a borrower doesn't have to wait for safe banking to pass. Right. But, and I think that, I don't think you could get uh, six. Do you think those banks are jumping in because they anticipate it or? Yes. Okay. Yes. There's a lot of anticipation of things that I think fundamentally are not going to happen because I don't think right now you could get 60 senators to agree to name a new holiday for grandmother's day. Mm -hmm. I mean, they just are, you know, at loggerheads. And so I think uh, unless we have a new administration uh, or after the election, I think it's very, uh, very, very unlikely that we're going to see that pass. I think it would be great if it did, but uh, I don't see that happening. And just like there was a problem, I would say two to three years ago with access to bank accounts, that is no longer a problem these days. I mean, people are not complaining about that. In every legal state, you've got at least three or more banks or credit unions, and no one's complaining anymore that they can't, uh, that they have to operate in cash only. And right. that used to be one of the biggest challenges that my company had was when people were dealing in cash, we couldn't, mm -hmm. you know, we couldn't arrange borrowing for them. Right. Because you are, you are basically the broker between them and the financing agent Correct. to help bridge those gaps and help them. And, uh, you know, that is a slightly, that is a different model than some other organizations have that are the capital provider directly. 
how does that how does that change the dynamic for you i think it for the borrower i think it makes it easier and better because you've got more choices rather than just the one box that that lender has because if you go to bank of america which of course is not lending in the space mm -hmm. you've got the bank of america box that you've got to fit into you come right. to me i've got you know multiple boxes to fit you into and then i've got also uh, if you don't qualify for um, the best rates possible out there, which is bank rates, then I've got other sources to be able to take you to. So you put one application in and you're able to end up getting uh, the best possible rate that you qualify for. Also, um, you know, in terms of just, you know, working with borrowers, I'm an ex-banker, so I know kind of how banks think and dealing with banks they're much more difficult, much more stringent, um, and are not as easy and as, uh, you know, willing to work with you as someone like me would be. So I right. try to make the process fast, easy, and painless. No, it's uh, definitely a pain point for a lot of people is uh, ma making all the arrangements and dealing with all the issues and having an expert beside them can always help. But we do have to take a break. Uh, for our sponsors, we're going to be back uh, in just a quick minute with Scott Jordan from the uh, Alternative Finance Network. I'm Richard Zwicky on the Green Peak. You need a drink? Yes, and I'm going to adjust both the light and... Don't worry, it's not on video, right? So it's just us. Oh, is that right? Oh, yeah. okay. Oh, so it's just going to be an audio interview. Correct. Ah, oh, okay. All right. Then. I had to check the enough paint all over my shirt. That should have been... <laughs> <laughs> all right. Heck, I would have dialed in and used my phone then, but okay. Yeah. Bra fun. Brasco takes pictures every now and again, so. No problem. No problem. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at s-h-o-o-g-i-e-s dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet take-anywhere treat. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success. Cannabis Radio is back with more of the Green Peak. And we're back on the Green Peak with Scott Jordan from the uh, Alternative Finance Network. And Scott, you know, before the break, we were talking a bit about safe banking and how a lot of the banks are getting more involved than they would have been previously. Um, but, you know, you've got, I think, three main pillars that you work with, um, working capital, equipment financing and real estate. Are you finding there is more appetite from lenders in any one of the areas or a particular yes. structure they want to deal with? I would say in order of, uh, of, of the categories that you put out, real estate for sure is, uh, you know, the leading one. Uh, it's, everybody it's the easiest. Everybody's, yeah, everybody's you know. comfortable with it. Everybody's comfortable with an appraisal. Uh, the banks are as well. Equipment, a little less so but still uh, is very popular because, again, you can get your arms around, you know, what's the market if I have to uh, repossess it? And then, uh, you know, third is working capital because you're really um, 
you've got very little, particularly with public companies, uh, in the way of collateral for that and no personal guarantees from public companies in general for working capital. So I would say that's uh, the third category. Right. Okay. And as far as the firms that are coming to you uh, for the the assistance understanding, you know, if they come in with a, a budget and a plan and they could move the where the needs are around, are they able to do that or are they coming in fixed? We need equipment for XYZ, meaning instead of using part of their cash flow for buying the equipment, they could use the loan. So and to use the rest of the cash on um, OPEX. So the larger companies and, you know, the one that the deal that we just did with uh, with Tilt, a revolving line of credit gives you the most flexibility. So you absolutely, can take, you know, a portion of that money and apply it to equipment, a portion of that money and apply it to real estate, a portion of that money to pay down. So that's really the holy grail. And that's what we're really trying to look to make available to the marketplace uh, for the rest of 2021 and into 2022. It's really been never available for cannabis business owners to be able right. to, you know, acquire that. So um, it's flexibility is. So, uh, so just to be, just to interrupt for a second, but you see the most activity for yourself, but also opportunity for a lot of the uh, businesses in the space coming up to come from um, lines of credit, which were previously not available. Yes, I mean, that's definitely the preferred way of, of doing things. And you've also, I'm going to put into their senior secured loans as well, right. which is kind of more tranche based or, uh, but it gives you some flexibility. And more importantly, what it does is it gives you the availability of larger amounts of capital available because many of the senior secured lenders will allow the uh, business operations to function almost like collateral. And they'll also give you value for licenses and other things that banks and traditional lenders won't give you access to. Right. Okay. So, you know, there's always great success stories, but one of the things that, you know, we all need to be aware of is in software, we talk about failing fast means make make the mistakes quickly, get them over with, get on with it. And it's true in any business, not just software. I mean, I should use that as a, a broad base. In every business, you want to make the mistakes quickly and move forward and ideally not make the same mistake two or three times. But, you know, what? tell us about an experience or a, a deal that went sideways that really, and it wasn't necessarily that anybody operated poorly. It just things happen and something that another entrepreneur walking in should know this is something I should avoid. Wow. So I would say early on uh, in my, uh, you know, career in lending, we had a uh, greenhouse that was going to be refinanced and uh, cash out. And we had a, um, we had a, a borrower that um, was, um, I would say close to marginal in terms of the um, cash flow that he had and the uh, property that he had. And back then, very, very, very few people were doing greenhouses. Right. Uh, we had him lined up with a lender. The lender issued a term sheet. He liked the term sheet. The rate was, uh, you know, very attractive. And he, he had a, a closing date that he had to make. So. Uh, about two weeks before the closing date, the lender came to us and said, 
you know, we've got a problem with, um, uh, with several things here. Mm-hmm. Um, some skeletons were discovered in the closet there and they weren't going to be able to close. And he had to have this deal closed by October 1st period. Mm-hmm. Otherwise it was going to be a substantial penalty to him. Right. So he came to me and said, Scott, you know, what, what do we do? So, um, we quickly looked, uh, in, into the network. I have, uh, you know, several sources, uh, in the, uh, hard money lending field that can close very, very quickly. I went ahead and, uh, got uh, a hold of my guy on a Saturday afternoon. He said, I'll be out there Monday morning. And, mm-hmm. uh, because of that, we were able to end up, you know, meeting his deadline. Otherwise, it was going to be uh, a substantial penalty that uh, that borrower would have paid for not being able to close um, this transaction on time. So I think the lesson in there is, you know, for a lot of entre- entrepreneurs, business people coming in the door, you think you're sharing all the information that's being asked for, but you need to be ready for the fact that it's not just the things people are asking for. It's the people, things that you think nobody will notice that really are going to make the difference because like in anything else, it's trust. Correct. And, you know, let's face it in the early stages of the business, it was, it was uh, 95% of the people were people that had operated in the gray or the black market. And so Mm -hmm. there really weren't the kind of, stricter rules that go about as you get into the legalized market and so and they were used to hiding information one for survival but you know and most importantly for survival (laughs) sure sure yes yes you're you're, you're right about that you know so it's a it's a mind shift uh, paradigm uh, uh, there that has to occur um you know conversely what about something that went incredibly smoothly that, you know, would be a difficult deal normally and everything fell into place? Um, I would say one of the first deals that I did with uh, the Green Solution, which mm-hmm. I helped finance, uh, help them go from four stores to 21 stores. Mm-hmm. Um, they're in which state? They're in uh, Colorado. Okay. They're a Colorado-based company, one of the early uh, innovators and subsequently got bought by Columbia Care um, right. about six or eight months ago. And we thought it was going to be um, difficult and expensive to get the MED in uh, Colorado, which is the you know licensing group for, uh, for marijuana. Mm-hmm. We thought it was going to be difficult to get the structure in place to be able to make that loan happen because at the time, they were not allowing any UCC filings or any uh, any of the licensed companies. Uh, they wouldn't allow them to uh, put a lien or put something on the license that would be a quote unquote loan to own. Um, we thought it was mm-hmm. going to take a lot of effort. We ended up, uh, you know, working with uh, uh, an, an attorney that had put something similar together for a uh, casino. And so uh, we were able to use that structure to, I think, do one of the first secured um, working capital loans in the state. This was back in 2015. And okay. so that ended up going very, very well, uh, You know, much better and less expensive than we thought it was going to be. And, you know, with... With that in mind, um, and with the growth in the different areas, 
where do you see it opening next in terms of the, you know, the next financial uh, vehicle and finance vehicle that's going to become accessible to the business people in the space? It's a great question. <clears throat> I would say um, revolving lines of credit. We, we mm -hmm. think that um, with what we've put in place now with, uh, with Tilt, we mm -hmm. think that there'll be more and more um, uh, accessibility. Uh, we may get some lenders that will do a, uh, what I call a semi-revolver, which is where right. you get approved for, let's say, $10 million, and you can draw it down in tranches of a million dollars or more each, which is better than uh, a straight term loan, because what people want to do is they want to have access to the money, they want to qualify for the money, but they don't want to pay on unused, uh, uh, on unused portions of the line. Absolutely. So what a semi-revolver does is it allows you to draw down what you need now and not have to incur interest on the on the balance of the um, money that you're approved for. Oh, so like the line of credit uh, that you mentioned earlier for Tilt, do Correct. they pay for the on the full 10 million line no. of credit, whether they draw down or not? They're only they're only paying on the amount that they draw down. Okay, with a, with a very small minimum. Okay, because yeah. I was surprised. I uh, do you see many that where people are getting or borrowing? again, and not drawing down the funds, but still paying interest on the full thing? Sometimes. I mean, what I would call an old school line, uh, mm -hmm. the lender, you know, says, hey, I've set aside this money. Mm -hmm. I've either got investors that are, um, you know, that I've taken money from. I can't let it sit idle because I'm paying my investors X amount of rate of return. Right. And so consequently, you're going to, you know, go ahead and pay me. Uh, the nice part about dealing with my lenders is if it's a bank, it's not an issue because mm -hmm. they've got plenty of funds that they can draw down on at any time. Right. A private lender, it takes a little bit more negotiation, which we did in this case, you know, with the lender to see if we could uh, meet the borrower's needs and wants and also provide them with the best possible outcome because the way that we operate is we're fiduciary to the borrower. So we have the borrower's best interest in mind. We go mm -hmm. to the lenders that will be able to be flexible enough to meet that um, borrower's uh, you know, best interests. Right. No, of course, you're definitely on the borrower's side in the transaction. So, which is, like I said earlier, it's very beneficial to have an ally beside you through all this. We do have to take another break, but we're going to be back in a moment with Scott Jordan from the Alternative Finance Network. I'm Richard Zwicky on The Green Peak. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or eight years old. You can still learn something that's gonna make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The concierge for better living with Doc Rob. Only on cannabisradio.com. Climbing our way up, up, up to the cannabis summit of success. 
Cannabis Radio is back with more of the Green Peak. And we're back on the Green Peak with Scott Jordan from the Alternative Finance Network. And Scott, you know, one of the things we didn't touch on earlier is the history of the Alternative Finance Network. And, you know, you mentioned you'd done deals uh, earlier about uh, 2015 being one of the deals you really look uh, back on fondly. But how long have you been doing the Alternative Finance Network and what were you doing prior that brought you to it? So I'll start with the, the prior piece. 2009, I did my very first uh, deal for the dispensary I was a patient at here in uh, the Denver area. And it was very, very difficult back then because there was no real banking. It was hide and seek and uh, yeah. what I call whack-a-mole kind of uh, banking. You know, you'd be up for two weeks. They discover, you know, what you were doing or you bring some smelly cash into the bank and you'd get immediately shut down. You know, not until... Mm-hmm. Uh, Sunday Seafried and Safe Harbor came about in 2014 was their actual, um, you know, overt banking where the uh, bank knew that you were a marijuana uh, company and uh, had the uh, uh, had the force in place to be able to and the people in place to be able to do the compliance. So uh, what what happened was I was working for another company in 2013. Uh, because I had done a few loans in that uh, period from 2009 to 13, my phone started ringing off the hook as we were vertically integrated here in Colorado at the beginning, and people were looking for cash to be able to build out both their grows as well as uh, their dispensaries. Mm-hmm. And so I, uh, I went in uh, to my bosses and I said, hey, I think we ought to get into this. They said, um, you know, first of all, we don't, we think this is a fad and a trend and it's not going to continue. And mm-hmm. second of all, we don't want to go to jail, but more importantly, we, um, we can't lend on our balance sheet because of the industry. They said, but if you can come up with somebody that will lend, uh, you know, to this industry, we're happy to look to take a fee. So that was kind of the beginning. Of- they didn't say we're happy to let you go to jail for them. <laughs> no, but I think that was implied. I was uh, going to say the way it was uh, phrased there sounded. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and so as a result, um, uh, I, I was uh, annoyed and unhappy and I decided mm-hmm. I was going to go ahead and try to um, see what I could do to help level up the playing field because I didn't think it was fair. The uh, marijuana business owner was paying more than his fair share in taxes because of yep. 280E deductions, mm-hmm. was very difficult. The state was taking their fair share. The municipalities were getting their tax revenue and the marijuana business owner was at a you know tremendous disadvantage. So I went and uh, uh, went to a lender of mine that did alternative assets, uh, mm-hmm. gentlemen's clubs and uh, laundry mats and things like that. And uh, mm-hmm. I asked him, I said, hey, would you be willing to take a look at funding a marijuana deal? He did some research. He came back to me and said, the first one needs to be non-plant touching. So mm-hmm. uh, if you can find a non-plant touching ancillary company, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be happy to take a look at it, but it better be a good one and it better pay on time because there won't be any other ones if they don't go ahead and pay on time. So yep. um, I went ahead and I found the largest ancillary company that I knew of, you know, in the industry, mm-hmm. I was able to get a $2 million uh, loan done for them by convincing them um, better to pay what you think is a high interest rate at the time mm-hmm. than to give up equity because according to your projections, 
the company is going to double next year and then double again and continue to double, the equity uh, will be much more expensive. And as it turned out, uh, six years later, they sold out to uh, a, uh, a SPAC for a billion and a half dollars. And that 10% that they would have given up was worth $150 million, as opposed to paying, you know, an interest rate on a couple million dollars, which was, you know, probably in the four or $500,000 range. So it yeah. was a, you know, huge coup for them. They managed to, uh, um, you know, get a tremendous windfall, you know, at the sales point. And uh, six years later, in hindsight, they were very, very happy, although they were unhappy at the time. Uh, but well, no, nobody likes to pay at the time, but you're always, you know, hindsight's always 2020. Everybody is uh, amazing in how correct they are in hindsight. <laughs> it is. It is. I, I said just, no. I said yes. I would have said no. I would have said yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would say, uh, you know, uh, expensive, what you think is, is uh, expensive debt is always cheaper than giving up equity, particularly if you're going to make the proje projections that you're uh, using to get the loan, there's mm -hmm. no comparison. It always is a better deal to, to take debt. So, yeah, no, understood. Understood. Um, you know, uh, Scott, with regards to, you know, some of what you've seen and looked at, you know, we talked about that you see more and more of the revolving lines of credit becoming the next big thing. Um, what do you see coming after that? Or what are you starting to see as being a big need or a big opportunity? Um, you know, I try not to look too far down the road because uh, mm -hmm. my crystal ball only kind of has, uh, you know, it's a little only bit. only see so far. Yeah, I only see so far. Um, but I would say, uh, I think a virtual line of credit is mm -hmm. one of the things that, uh, will be popular. And so what I mean by that is, is we are actually approaching a bank right now. And, uh, this is, um, I've never talked about this publicly. And so you're getting, you know, kind of, you, you asked a good question. I'm going to give you a good answer here. All right. Uh, what, what we're trying to do is create what we're calling a virtual line of credit for M&A work because M&A okay. is a really hot growing area. It is. And, There's tons of activity. Yes. And so what we're what we're doing is what we've proposed to a bank. And this was just uh, a, a week and a half ago was could you go ahead and look at upsizing the availability of credit based on deposits into your bank. And, you know, previously when you're working with private lenders, they don't care anything about deposits. Well, banks mm -hmm. love deposits. And mm -hmm. I think a light bulb went off into them and they said, yeah, we would, uh, we would consider that. So we actually have one group in front of uh, a bank right now that right. has a substantial amount of cash in the bank. And what we're going to do is we're going to meet both the bank's needs and the uh, borrower's needs and look to lend to lenders and look to upsize that credit line with um, the availability of the cash that they could put into that bank. So we think that that's a very, very exciting, you know, move here and mm -hmm. will allow, um, 
the best of both worlds for borrowers where they'll have additional availability, but they won't necessarily be paying for it. And they'll qualify once based on uh, the financials at the time for whatever line size that they can uh, right. qualify for and would like. So well, that's, we very, that's very exciting. Yeah, that is very interesting on the go forward. Hmm. Excellent. Well, unfortunately, Scott, we are out of time, time for today. Um, but listeners who want to learn more or, you know, are now thinking about accessing, you know, new and additional capital, how should they reach you and where should they learn more about the Alternative Finance Network? So I would say go to our website, which is uh, www.alternativefinancenetwork.com. All one word. Alternativefinancenetwork.com. Yep. Uh, you can reach out to me, uh, email, uh, phone. Uh, it's all there on the website. Uh, okay. We've got a mini application if you want to fill that out and uh, get back to me. We're open for business. We have uh, access to money to lend, and we would love to find more borrowers that need money and qualify for um, the funds that they're looking for uh, because our mission is to help level up the playing field and get cannabis business owners in parity with other businesses that um, that enjoy borrowing from banks and borrowing at the lowest cost possible. Sure. So we would uh, we would love to do that. And uh, I thank you very much, Richard, for having me on the show. It's been a pleasure this afternoon. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for joining us. And uh, thanks to everybody for listening. I'm Richard Zwicky on the Green Peak, and we'll be back with you again in another week. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.